The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate play with Kate Weir, who is an educational specialist, um, a counselor, and a registered play therapist, which I thought that was interesting, plus the owner of Kindred Collective, which looks like an amazing practice in Columbia, Missouri, my home state. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. So um, you've had 13 years experience with counseling Mm -hmm. and um, have formed this wonderful collective. Um, Now, what made you want to go into specializing in play therapy? Yeah, so um, prior to becoming a licensed uh, professional counselor and a, and a private practitioner, I spent about a decade as an elementary school counselor um, working with elementary school students in the schools. Um, and when kiddos at school were struggling socially or emotionally, they would come and work with me, um, which I loved. I would work with them individually or in small groups. Um, and we would work on building skills and coping skills and relaxation skills. Um, and it was great. But what I what I recognized is my kiddos who were really struggling with trauma um, needed, they needed a different modality. So while teaching them coping skills could be very, very, very beneficial in helping them to navigate their daily lives, um, to really, really sink in and help them to heal from traumas, um, I, I needed to be able to bring something something different to them. Um, and that's when I started pursuing becoming a registered play therapist and learning how to do play therapy. Wow. Now, what is play therapy? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question, question. I think. <laughs> it is the 
big question. So um, play therapy is, it's a therapy modality. So um, it is done by people who are licensed um, mental health providers. Um, And so for one to become a play therapist, they first need to have their master's degree in um, um, a, a helping field. So counseling or social work. They then go on and become licensed either as a licensed clinical social worker or a licensed Um, professional counselor. And then once they're licensed, they go on even further um, and they have 2,000 hours of supervised play therapy experience um, and lots and lots and lots of continuing education around play therapy. So um, I like to point out that it is done by a a licensed mental health provider because it just kind of sounds like fun, right? Like, let's just play. And and basically, developmentally, um, kiddos express themselves most naturally through play, Um, especially kids the ages ages 10 and under. Um, So we know that developmentally with kiddos, their verbal skills develop more slowly than their cognitive skills. Um, And that's normal. Um, But what that means is that kiddos can be having cognition, so they can be having thoughts and feelings and experiences Mm -hmm. um, that are more mature than what they are able to translate into language and speak about. Um, So for kiddos to really be able to express themselves fully, they need to use their native and most natural language, which which is play. So, yeah, so play therapists are are trained to, while in a therapeutic playroom with a kiddo, we like to think about play is their language and toys are their words. Um, and so we, we basically learn how to um, make or attempt to make sense of what they're sharing with us through their play. Right. And So how does this differ from another type of therapy for children? Mm, Yeah, so another type of therapy for children might be cognitive behavioral therapy or solution-focused therapy or or, or behavioral therapy. Um, But in play therapy, rather than um, talking about their worlds, they are showing us and allowing us into their worlds through play. Um, so, uh, rather than, and then there are lots of different, there are kinds of play therapy and I am a, a child centered play therapist. And so how that would translate to like talk therapy would be a person centered therapist. Um, so my philosophy is that the child leads the way. Um, And so rather than coming into a session and my saying, you know, we're working on these goals and I'm going to teach you these skills, what we do instead is we come into the playroom and I say to the child, um, during our time together, you can do almost anything you want with almost everything you see. And if it's not okay with you, I'll let me, or um, if it's not okay with me, I'll let you know. Um, And the child leads the way. They make the decisions about what they play with and how they play. Um, Yeah. And I'm able, and I'm able to really um, get to know them um, very well through how they play. Right. And so what types of things like, how do you get to know them through their play? What do they reveal? 
in play? Yeah. So I might see, you know, if a child is um, how they approach their play. So I'll be able to, I'll be able to discern um, if they approach their play with more confidence or if they approach their play with more hesitancy. Um, I might, I, I would be able to see um, how comfortable a child feels being creative or playful, or if they're more restricted and inhibited um, and aren't sure what to do or how to play or or what to play with. Um, I'll also learn how they respond to boundaries because we'll set I'll set boundaries in the playroom around um, around physical safety, um, around you know keeping the playroom safe, around what time the play session ends, um, things along those lines. How um, maybe self controlled they are, or how much more intervention from me they need to set set boundaries. Mm, Yes, absolutely. And so what types of things does play therapy help with? All the things. Like it... I always tell people, if you're a human, you would benefit from play therapy, especially especially if you're a young human. Um, so if, if a kiddo is struggling with something specific, so if there's a specific thing that's happening in their life that's really hard. Um, so say they're grieving or they're living through a pandemic or, you know, they're maybe their family is changing for one reason or another. Um, play therapy gives them the opportunity to express themselves um, fully and with freedom. Um, they might use certain types of toys to um, play with and make sense of the changes that are happening in their lives. Um, they might come into the playroom feeling like they're very out of control because things are changing. And then they come into a place where someone says, I trust you to make really good decisions. And I know that you know better than I do what you might like to play with. And then they're learning confidence and they're learning self-esteem. Um, yeah. So, so a kiddo struggling with something specific would benefit um, a child who struggles with anxiety or depression or or um, difficulties with attention, uh, low self-esteem, all of those things would be beneficial in play therapy. Oh, absolutely. Um, so play therapy sounds like it's really effective for kids who are going undergoing trauma and difficult situations at home. Yes, yeah. So like, how does that, how might that reflect in their play? What types of things do kids bring to their play that gives you some cues as to what's going on? Yeah, sure. Um, We watch for play themes. Um, So a play, yeah. So we're watching, um, we're watching a child and we're identifying their play themes and we're watching how those themes progress or change over time. So for example, if a child comes into the playroom and they have a very aggressive play theme. Um, So they play with the toys very, very, very aggressively. Um, Over time, we'll we'll see if that play theme sort of mellows out. You know, they might come in with all of this aggression that they need to express in a way that is safe. And then over time, their play becomes maybe more 
uh, maybe more peaceful. And that probably means that they've worked something through. They've they've worked something through in their play. Um, if a child comes in and they are hyper-organized with their play, um, like they, they can't seem to relax unless everything is neat and tidy and, and organized just right. Over time, we're going to want to see them build some more flexibility around that, like be able to be okay when things aren't perfect um, in the playroom. If a child has had a traumatic experience over time, once they have developed a relationship with the therapist, they might start to reenact that experience through their play. And so just like for an adult, when um, we have a traumatic experience, it's important for us to be able to process that. Um, children process that through their play when they feel safe enough in the relationship and in the playroom, they might act out what happened to them in their play. And they might do that time and time and time and time again until they don't need to do it anymore. Meaning they've probably found some resolution around that. Processed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who refers children to you? As a play therapist. We get a lot of parents calling on behalf of their kiddos. They want to put something in place for their kiddos. We also get referrals from school counselors, from pediatricians, from clinical caseworkers. We get um, from a variety of places. And some of that comes from educating the community about play therapy and about why it might be beneficial um, for kiddos and probably more beneficial than talk therapy, depending on their age because of where they are developmentally. Sure. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, they can't, they just don't have the words to tell what's going on, but they sure will act it out. Exactly. That what you just said is the perfect, the perfect summary of play therapy. It's like, um, you know, asking a kiddo to go into detail about something in a, in a foreign language. And they might look at you and say, I don't speak that language. I will be really sweet and polite and um, try to do my, try to do what you want me to do, but I, I don't speak that language. Um, so, yeah. That's a good analogy. Mm. And so um, what types of, what types of toys are most effective? Yeah, it's so fun. Great question. You have great questions. So we are actually looking for particularly, you know, I mentioned I um, do child-centered play therapy. So knowing that there are other types of play therapy for sure, but what I can speak to best is um, child-centered play therapy. We want to have toys from different categories. Um, So we want to have aggressive release toys. So I mentioned, you know, what a kiddo with an aggressive theme might look like in the playroom. We want to teach kiddos that it is okay to feel angry. Aggression is normal. And we want to help them find really therapeutic and safe ways to to release and express their aggression rather than telling them, don't be mad, please play nicely. What we might say is, um, you know, the, oh, you know, the table is not for kicking, but if you need to kick something, here are some balls. So we want to have some things in the playroom that they can, that they can rip or tear or shred or kick or punch. And that is safe for them. Um, We also want to have nurturing toys. Um, So those would be like baby dolls, baby bottles, strollers, dollhouse, a little kitchen set. 
um, something to see how they interact with the theme of nurturing and family and caretaking. Um, we want to have creative toys for creation. So we want to have, you know, some glue sticks and some glue bottles and um, some paper and markers and crayons and, um, and things like that. So yeah, we're looking for things from different thematic categories. And I noticed that you mentioned like glue and glitter and these things. So art is part of play therapy too. I had no idea. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So we're not trained um, the same way that an art therapist would be trained, but we're, but we're trained in, um, giving children um, developmentally appropriate choices and respecting them and following their lead and setting boundaries when needed. And sometimes what a kiddo needs or desires is to express themselves through artistic materials. Sure. And you do have art therapy with the Kindred Collective. We do. We're so lucky. We have art therapists and we have music therapists. We are, we're so lucky. We've got such a creative um, and well-trained team. Well, and it sounds like that all flows together so well. Yes. Meshing. Um, then you also have like family therapy too. We do. We do. So we really, really believe in this idea of, um, holistic care and integrated care. We believe that, um, individuals all experience things in life very differently. And we all need different approaches. Um, some some adults or young adults or teenagers need um, benefit best from traditional talk therapy. It is very, very helpful for them to engage in person-centered or solution-focused talk therapy. And that is, and we have therapists who do that just beautifully. Um, Again, often when people have experienced trauma, the language part of their brain, which is what we're using in talk therapy, is not the portion of our brain that needs the most attention. When we've experienced trauma, sometimes it's our brain stem that needs more attention. And sometimes it's our physical body that needs attention because um, trauma can be stored in the body. For those reasons, um, you know, even adults who've experienced trauma, sometimes talk therapy is not the, the most effective modality. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's movement. Um, sometimes it is art. Um, sometimes it's play. Adults can benefit from play therapy as well, particularly sand tray therapy. Um Yes, so we just believe we're all different. So we all need different types of interventions. And sometimes we need more than one thing. So sometimes when someone comes to Kindred, they might talk with a, um, they might work with a talk therapist and also get adjunct support from our um, somatic specialist um, who helps them with, with their body and the way their body is translating things. So yeah, very cool. It's like a salad bar, right? Like a buffet. Choose choose what works for you. <laughs> well, exactly. And you may need more than one more than one thing at one time. So that's what's wonderful, and you can refer to each other, etc. Mm-hmm. So art therapy, music therapy, movement therapy—that's yeah. all exciting. Yeah, yeah. And something you said in there 
um, really perked my ears is that you're talking about adults need can use play therapy as well. For sure. Yeah. Look. Absolutely. So um, it probably looks a little bit different than a child visiting the playroom. Um, it might probably one of the most common forms of play therapy for adults is sand tray therapy. Um, and so that's working with a therapist where you have a sand tray and you have a whole library in a room filled with figure figurines um, that you can put in the sand tray in ways that feel good to you. And when you do this, you're building stories or you're you're working around um you know, invitations to put certain things that represent other things in your life in the sand tray and um, using lots of symbolism, using lots of, um, I don't know, creative expression. And it's a very, very, very powerful modality. Um, The other thing is that all adults um, have an inner child that lives inside of them. We all have our own inner child. We have our own inner teen. Um, and sometimes when you're working with an adult therapist who is well-versed in play therapy, the adult therapist can tap into, you know, what was it that your inner child needed at that time? Um, because we're experts in children. So we can we can find the inner child inside of anybody. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I can I can imagine how... Sometimes talk therapy might not feel comfortable talking about things or really have even like children having the words to put to certain feelings, but that this can come out in other ways. Yes, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, that's exciting. And I see you also have one of your um, practitioners offers Reiki. Yeah. Yeah. So cool, right? Yeah. You know, I'm a Reiki master as well, and I know that sometimes we just need to release the energy that is inside of us, and that can be extremely beneficial in conjunction with traditional therapy. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. We also, um, myself and then another one of our members of the collective um, are very well versed in essential oils as well. And so it's really fun to bring in the olfactory gland, which is such a powerhouse when it comes to emotional regulation and um, healing from trauma and just learning daily coping skills, bringing in that, um, yeah, that sense of scent. So very holy, like we yeah, are, we are so, we are so complicated and layered as humans. Right. Yes. At layered, layered. I love that because I do like in my practice, I work with different layers, the spiritual yeah. layer, the, the emotional layer, the physical layer, the energetic layer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast for more information. Do you find your approach um, gains a lot of traction in Columbia, Missouri? Yeah, yeah, I really do. I think that we're, we, um, we continuously have people calling in, um, right. continuing. 
on a on a daily a daily basis. Um, and so, for the most part, people who are making a telephone call or sending an email mm-hmm. um, are looking for traditional therapy, either for themselves, um, for themselves as a as a part of a couple, for family therapy, things along those lines. Um, so we definitely get the most direct phone calls for people from people who are seeking those traditional therapies, um, which is great because we have lots of people who provide the traditional therapies beautifully. Um, but often when people call in and, um, you know, I'm talking with them and I'm learning a little bit more about what they're seeking. And if I, you know, I find they're seeking services for their four-year-old child, um, it's a great opportunity to do some education around play therapy and why a play therapist might be beneficial. Um, and, and usually people are quite interested in that. Sometimes people call in and they say, oh, for example, hypothetically, they're seeking help for their teenage daughter who's tried counseling three times and it's never worked, but this parent just won't give up and knows they'll find the right person sometime. I'll ask, would they be open to a non-traditional therapy? If traditional therapy has not worked for them up to this point, how would they feel about art therapy? How would they feel about music therapy? And sometimes that's a great alternative. Um, We can also provide really cool wait list services because if someone calls for a very specific therapist and they have, say, a six or nine month waiting list, we can get them on that person's waiting list and say, and in the meantime, would you be interested in... um, doing some EFT with one of our providers? Or would you be interested in learning um, heart math breathing technique with one of our providers while you're waiting to give you some immediate relief? Um, And often people will take advantage of that. And then sometimes when their turn on the wait list comes up, they're like, you know what? I'm really doing okay. I I think I want to stick with EFT or I want to, you know, I did four sessions of heart math and I'm I'm feeling like I, I might not need services at this point. So it's kind of, it all just works sort of synergistically. Oh, I love that. And you've got quite a large practice. <laughs> we do. How many are in your practice? Oh, well, I I'm not very good at um, like exact numbers, but we're at the 24, 25 mark, I would say. Um, and I think that practitioners love being members of the collective, because we learn so much from each other all the time. And and it's a really beautiful and supportive um, community for, for the practitioners as well. Yes. I love that. And just looking at your lineup, you know, I said again, the, the, the music therapy, play therapy, essential oil therapy, Pilates, you've got in here, movement therapy. (laughs) My goodness. We have an environmental um, therapist who specializes in doing all, as much work as possible outside. We back up to the the MKT trail in Columbia, Missouri. And so um, she does a lot of her work outside on the trail uh, with, yeah, yeah. So all sorts of cool cool approaches. So exciting. And um, earlier in the podcast, I had a wonderful conversation with Tim Carson. Yeah. Part of your group, right? Yes. 
yeah. and, and liminality, which I, I learned during the, during the conversation, <laughs> yes. is the, the space between, how yes. the, the journey getting from one place to another. So that That's was interesting. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw you also go into schools. Now, do you do this as like for an individual basis for each kiddo or do you go into schools and just say, hey, this is what we offer? Yeah, yeah. So we do a few different things. Um, right now, we're not working with kiddos in the schools, um, but we will do workshops um, for teachers we will do workshops for parents. We are happy to go in at any time and speak with, you know, the school counselor, the principal about the types of services that we offer. Um, one of our members, Dr. Colleen Colliner, um, is an emotion coach. She's an expert in communication. And so she teaches something called emotion coaching, um, which is really teaching adults how to be present in a positive way with kiddos when they're having big feelings. Um, and she and I have taught school counselors about this before. Um, so we just really love serving as a resource to the community. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I can mm-hmm. imagine that um, even like residential facilities for, for children mm-hmm. could be a, a great um you know, this would be wonderful to offer for that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you've got you've such a comprehensive approach. Mm. Now, I'm a parent, you're a parent. So as parents, what can we do to foster well-being and play in the home? Oh, I that that's a wonderful question I like your questions a lot so so fostering well-being in the in the home um you know this is actually I got a just immediate gut response answer when you when you said those words sometimes it's hard to distill all the many things that we can recommend you know especially without knowing um, specific parents and specific kids but the thing that I feel the most passionate about is acknowledging your kiddos feelings, acknowledging their experience, not trying to talk them out of um, feelings, not trying to change feelings, not even trying to problem solve. But when kiddos and teens are experiencing feelings, simply acknowledging like, um, you know, that's, you know, things saying things like that's gotta be so hard. Or that must have felt so lonely. Or I see how hard this is for you. Because especially as parents, we are so protective of our kids that often we want to help them solve problems and make plans and learn skills. Um, and um, But I think that just all humans need to be seen. Like all humans need to be seen, especially kids and teens. They need to be seen and have their emotional experience acknowledged. So I think that would be my recommendation for fostering well-being. For fostering play, I think just 
you know, all humans need to play. We need to play. Um, like Senior citizens need to play. All humans across the lifespan, we need to play. All sorts of things happen when we play that are so good for us. We're moving our bodies. We're getting those feel-good chemicals going in our brains. We're practicing mindfulness because we're in the moment. Um, so just remembering that play is healthy for all, but especially for little kids, play is their work. And so rather than just really focusing on, you know, um, home time, rather than focusing on academics and things along those lines, remembering play is their work. It's how they learn about themselves. It's how they learn about the world. It's how they process things. It's how they relax. Um, play is their work. And so it should be honored and there should be room made for play in the same way that we commit to the homework hour. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Are there certain types of toys that you recommend for parents to have at home? I love that. Yeah. So we call them open-ended toys. So in other words, toys that you can do lots of different creative things with. So ideally, not having a bunch of toys that are based on characters, um, things along those lines, not having a bunch of toys where, you know, there's a very one clear way to build the toy or play with the toy. We want kiddos to be using their imagination. We also don't want kiddos to feel like there's a right or a wrong way to play. Um, So open-ended toys are great. So um, generic blocks or things to build with or arts and crafts supplies or play-doh or clay is great. Balls are wonderful. Um, Things along those lines where there could be a million different ways that you play with one thing. There's a million different things it could be or become. Yes, yes, yes. I remember when my daughter was little, she's 14 now, but when she was little, finding Legos that were just Legos. Yes. It's hard to find Legos that are just Legos. Right. That's right. (laughs) Just like the classic Legos. That's right. Exactly. It's so hard to find, but I, I went around and, and found them and uh, that's, that's what she played with. And then also blocks. She loved to play with uh, toy food in her kitchen, her toy kitchen, babies, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. My son, um, he's six and he's been drinking. We get um these little tiny little pint sized animals um smoothies. And, and they just come in this little, and they look like a little animal and it's in a little plastic bottle and they're disposable. However, he's very attached to these smoothie bottles. Yes. So we save them and we wash them out and we have a big tub of them. And the things yes. he does with these, he lines them up and knocks them down like they're dominoes. He sets them up and then takes his little bouncy ball like it's a bowling bowling pins and a bowling ball. <laughs> he works them, he weaves them into his play with Legos and and magnetiles and things like that. So oh, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's really fun to upcycle things, you know, like so cardboard cool. tubes and, you know, cardboard boxes and things like that. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my, the things my daughter would do with a cardboard box. Amazing. <laughs> we yeah. around for weeks until they fell apart. Right, yeah. right. When I was a child, um, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house and my grandma was a sewer. And so she had spools 
of threat, wooden spools and building with them, knocking them over, doing all kinds of different things with that. I love that. Yeah. You cannot underestimate the power of making anything a toy. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You always see these cartoons around Christmas time that you spend $150 on the big toy, but all they want to play with is the cardboard box. It's kind of true. I mean, it really, it feels good to use our imaginations. It feels good to humans to turn something into something else. Like our brain really likes that. Like it create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And build and imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And then there we even have whole schools dedicated to this. The Waldorf schools yes, are right. wonderful for that, for imagination, right. imaginative play. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, you know, we talked about adult play. We talked about child play. Yes. I have a teenager at home. So, you know, my joke is this this podcast is about me for me. <laughs> I think all of us in the helping profession can relate to that. <laughs> Things that interest Christy is probably should be the name of this podcast. But um, <laughs> so fostering play for teenagers. Uh, it's going to look different for sure. And that's, right. yeah, totally, totally, totally. So um, again, you know, it all differs a, based on personality and relationship and things along those lines. But some things that we see our teens really loving, um, you know, at Kindred are maybe doing puzzles together, doing card games together, playing board games together, um, creating together using like, like, you know, like, Hey, let's just have an art night and like go to the craft store and get a bunch of oil pastels and play around with them. Um, but then, um, sports can be played too, you know, like going for a bike ride together or, um, taking up a, taking up a hobby together can be, that can be play as well. Um, playing with music, even if it's just like making playlists for each other or, um, you know, like shooting basketball or whatever it might be. Also getting outside, just being outside, taking a walk (laughs) on the trail. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like play when you think about it. But when you get outside and you start talking to each other and then you spontaneously start, start kicking a rock back and forth, it can very easily turn into play. Right. So how do you define play as a play oh. therapist? Oh my gosh, I don't know that I have an answer to that question. <laughs> That's going to be my homework. <laughs> I don't know an actual definition of play, but here's here's what comes to mind for me. Um, play is a way of expressing ourselves creatively um, play should not be forced. Play should be, so there's a lot of freedom in play. You have a lot of freedom about um, what you choose and, um, how you choose. I'm tempted to say that play should feel good 
And I would say 99% of the time play does feel good, but sometimes in a therapeutic setting, a kiddo might be playing out a theme that's actually really hard and painful for them to play out. So it's important and it's therapeutic, but um, that's in a clinical setting. So I think, I think play should feel good. Play should not be forced and there should be lots of freedom in how you express yourself. How about that? I love that. But I do need to think about the definition of play. That was pretty good, though. Yeah. I have to say. A good starting point. <laughs> I, it sounds like there's a lot of freedom in play anyway. That's the, and I think freedom really is, really is key. It is also important that there are boundaries because you need to feel safe when you play and boundaries make kids feel safe, consistent, fair, respectful, loving boundaries make kids feel safe. So I think that's another component of play is you feel safe. You feel both free and safe um, at the same time. So there's a lot of freedom in play, and I love that. And I think when we give ourselves the space, when we give ourselves the time, when we give ourselves just the freedom and the permission, I think for adults, yeah. this is really, really tough. Absolutely. Um, we've got a lot of freedom in that. And, and I know it's hard mm-hmm. sometimes for single parents to yeah. build that in. Yeah, um, yeah. That can be for sure. Time and energy are our resources and we, you know, and resources aren't infinite. Um, we can sometimes feel low on those resources. Right. We mm-hmm. can. Yeah. So um, I think even more important for, for parents who are stressed and single parents to try to build that in. But. Yeah. It's probably one of those situations where at the times that it feels the most impossible to make space for play is probably when we need it the most. That's a good point. That's a mm-hmm. really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so we've covered a lot of ground. Yes, we have. You too. <laughs> Do you feel there's anything else that is has not been said? Anything else that needs to be covered in this? Thanks for asking. I... I feel like I had a great opportunity to talk about this passion of mine. There's, there's nothing that feels like it's waiting to be said that hasn't had a chance to be said. Well, this certainly is a passion for you. I can tell. Yes, it is big time, big time. Um, So I wanted to plug your website, plug your practice again. You all are in Columbia, Missouri, which is in the middle of the state. Yes. Oh, I do have another question. Do you uh, provide services online? Yes. Yes. Do because of because of the pandemic, um, many of our practitioners have been providing services online. Um, And so at this point, we many of us, many of us do. Good. And so you could conceivably see people outside of the Columbia, Missouri area. Yes. Yeah. It's on a practitioner by practitioner basis. And it's kind of depends on, you know, insurance companies and what our licensure say. Often it needs to be within the state, you know, not out, not in a different state unless we're licensed in a different state. Um, but yes, yes, that is, that is a, that is a possibility. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And so the website is Kindred Collective Co. Mo. 
So Como for Columbia, Missouri? Yeah, Como is kind of the local nickname for Columbia, Missouri, Como. <laughs> of course, in, here in Kansas City, it's Casey Mo. Right, right, yeah. Kindred, Kindred Collective Como.com. Yeah. So much information there um, about the practitioners. All your socials are there, I see. Yeah. Um, information just about what you offer. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for plugging that. And our our Instagram and Facebook accounts are um, really rich um, in terms of resources. If we have fun events coming up, we'll advertise our events there. But for the most part, we're sharing resources or or um, you know quotes or ideas or thoughts or tiny little practices that we find helpful for our wellness. So those are kind of fun to follow along with. Oh, that is wonderful. And you do have a resource section on your website. Covers all types of things such as seeking help, addiction, ADD, ADHD, anxiety, bullying. Oh, and so much more. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for shouting that out. And thank you for, thanks for seeing us. You are seen, you are heard. (laughs) I truly appreciate your time to sit and speak with me, Kate Weir of the Kindred Collective. Yes, thank you for the invitation. This has been delightful. I agree. It's been delightful. Now I'm going to go play. Yes, go play. Go play. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.